Uh, but I've d- been doing um, a ton of mountain biking. Okay. I, should say, well, I say a ton, but it's probably, let's say, 45 to 60 miles a week. It's pretty much. That's pretty you good. Know, it's anyways. pretty good, yeah. So I've taken on this t- this new love for do- riding in the dark. Okay. Do you use lights at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to. Right? Headlight. Because you're in the woods or whatever. But I've got a helmet light. And a bike light. And a, bu- and a, and a bar light. And they're capable of doing 1,400 lumens yeah. a piece. I knock them down to 800 because the battery lasts like twice as triple as long. Right. Um, but what it's done for me is because I, I have bad perception. And I'm able, my peripheral, even though I have bad perception, my peripheral is pretty good, right? So I get distracted from things on the side. Well, my bike's handling skills are not having increased that much in the last couple of years of mountain biking but in the dark i've found that you're kind of in a tunnel in yeah. your vision you see what you see kind of deal and you see is like riding a, a street bike or a motorcycle on the track looking up and looking through the turn means a lot right so if you got a light on your helmet it, it, so it's it's just helped me fundamentally learn how to ride a bike better so i'm now faster in the dark than i am <laughs> during the daylight So what's your um, objective of doing these podcasts? I'm trying to just network with people, talk to interesting people. Um, I want to increase exposure, marketing. I hope to maybe uh, increase sales from it. Hopefully somebody sees it and likes racing. And Are you getting views? Uh, a few views. The the bigger the, the person, sometimes they'll share it and they get 700 views right away from them just posting it one time. So, But my my YouTube audience is not huge right now. It's like less than 100 people, subscribers. But um, it's growing. You just got to keep going. See where it goes. And what, 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 when, what's the number? Is 100,000 the number or something of subscribers where you start making money and all that shit? Uh, it's going to be a long time before I start probably making money on advertisements. I don't plan on doing ads. Um, I think I'm just trying to promote myself and my business. So that's enough of an ad. And if I sell a couple quick shifters or, you know, some exhaust or something. You know, another thing would probably be pretty cool would be for you to do like a tour of what you're doing and kind of explain your, what you've got going on kind of deal. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of... Actually, I shouldn't say watch, and I've been listening, but they're YouTube videos rather than a podcast, I guess. Is that a typical thing to do there? Um, some podcasts are video only. Some are just just. Dustin um, Counter out in California, he owns Track Days, and he's been doing Richard Stromboli. Okay. And because he's got Richard Stromboli, they've actually put them on Road Racing World. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. I saw that post about that. So... And I, that's the only reason I even saw it. So I went on Road Racing World, of course, saw it, and then saw that it was on. There was like ten of them of them yeah. interviewing Stromboli, and he is just a brilliant man. I'm assuming he's doing it for the exposure of Attack Performance and Monster Energy Yamaha and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, it's cool to just talk to different businesses. I interviewed um, some local businesses and just. 
I think it's good exposure for them and it's good networking for me. And I even thought, man, if I'm just trying to get my name out there, why don't I contact uh, local news and just try to get a story? Just say local entrepreneurs selling stuff, you know. Who knows if they take the story or not, but just trying to get my name out there, trying to... Mm -hmm. trying to you really haven't done that yet? No, I haven't. I just, just an idea. Mm -hmm. I got you. So, but yeah, I got David Gray here today. Um, where are you living now? What's your home base? I'm actually in Sterling Heights right now. Sterling Heights? Okay. Mm -hmm. Not too far away then. And uh, you've been uh, a mechanic. You've been a mentor to me. You've been a, a rider, a racer for many, many years. And you have a cool streak going. you got 15 years right now of Grattan. You've been to Grattan every single year for 15 yeah. years. It's a cool streak you yeah, got. I forgot, I forgot I told you that. The, <laughs> it was recently that I just happened to go at the end. There's a, a, a small event of people that went. They go every year from Canada, but they canceled the event and rescheduled it twice. And it got rescheduled for September. didn't look like it was going to happen. And then another guy, David Fontan, he put together a group of about 30 people to show up. So there was a small group of people that came out for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I wasn't able to come out until Tuesday, Wednesday, but I was able to get out there, rode a couple of days. Look, fortunately, the weather was unbelievable for the end of September. We went clockwise on Tuesday and counterclockwise on Wednesday, so I got the full taste of it in two days. Nice. And I heard that there's some controversy now about maybe only going one direction. Is that only for racing or track days? Or? I have no idea. No. I've no, been following that too much? No, not really, because I didn't race there this year, Yeah. and so I didn't get the lowdown while I was there. Okay. I know. I, I think I heard something about them talking about doing something like that, but yeah. no, I, I don't really have the intel on that for you. Sorry. Okay, no problem. <laughs> um, and you've been a Michelin tire guy forever. You've, I'm sure you uh, had tires up to your ears uh, at home and just been uh, working with them for so long. Um, and now you've switched over to your property managing. Right. Is that correct? You want to property tell me a little bit asset. about that? Yeah, property and asset, asset management. Totally do, different aspect and thing. Thing to do, uh, learning a lot. It's really interesting, um, you know. And really, all I'm doing is I'm, I'm managing two office buildings: one in Southfield, one in California. Okay. Obviously, remotely, yeah. and then a home estate in Northfield, Michigan. Okay. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And you're liking that? Yeah, it's good. It's new challenges. It's different for me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it at this point. It still allows me to do the things I want to do and, and be free a little bit. So yeah, it's fun. Awesome. And you've been helping out Joe, Joseph Blasius, a little bit? Yeah, I'm still, you know, I've been working with him a long time since uh, from way, way back when, when he started riding and yeah. the last couple of years. Um, he's just needed a, a familiar face around the track, so I've, I've helped him out and been around when he's been riding. It's been good for him. Yeah, and he's in the Twins Cup, Moto America. He is. He raced a full season last year with M4 and Go Suzuki. Um, and then this year, he is just doing a few one-offs. Okay. He did Road Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Barber, and then Indianapolis next weekend he'll be going to. Yeah. You know, so doing four this season. It's just, with the COVID, how it all worked out, it didn't, for whatever reasons, with sponsorships and getting it all put together. And right. they weren't sure if they were running a, you know, a season this year, Moto America, or how that was going to go down. And I think he just chose to go on a different path. So Nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. And he seems like he's had some pretty good finishes, and he's he's learning, and he's getting faster and more consistent. It seems like. 
Oh yeah, man. So you you you've got a guy that's not been training in a year because, yeah. or at least since February or what have you, um, not riding a whole bunch other than at these Moto America rides and rounds and shows up with these kids and these guys that are riding every weekend and just like for example, we when we were at Barbara the other week, they just came back from three consecutive weekends or a week off in uh, four weeks. Yeah rode every weekend right and he shows up and he's right on pace with those guys yeah. gets fourth the first day and a fifth the second day yeah that's great to see it's pretty amazing for that's, sure that's definitely what you're looking for when you're going pro and you're trying to fight for i don't know championships this year he's only doing a couple of rounds but definitely fighting for the podium and fighting for those places um he's up there so yeah right on cool to see mm-hmm. I, I hope to get back in there and do the same myself uh, I've never been on a SV or twin cup bike but uh, I think it'd be interesting it's like a dumbed down 600 a little slower well, a twins cup bike is 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 no normal SV 650 right I, I actually had the privilege of riding it out in California last winter he has a at the time had a practice bike or a backup bike and he would ride that at some club events and in training on the off season and I, I had the opportunity to ride it out there and it, it literally is based on the way that the bike is set up and the electronics and the, the offsets of the triples and the braking and everything about the bike it legitimately feels like a 600 okay with like 89 horsepower okay yeah <laughs> right it's just it's a slow 600 right and he he rides the, the wheels off the thing it's got the engine that he had for the last two years was the engine that he ran the first weekend at Road Atlanta in, two years ago in 2019, and that was a three generations ago engine configurations for M4, which was, I don't want to say it was considerably slower, but it was, you know, it's it was like 82 or 3 or something horsepower or something like that, right, is what it was. And he literally had ridden that thing for two years. This last year that we were down at Chuckwalla before the COVID hit, he had broke two track records in two classes wow. with, with the bike. Yeah. Just flying. That's phenomenal. Is that CVMA out there? Or CVMA, where was? yep. Okay. CVMA. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's he's from California. He's living out there. Full time no, with his dad? No, he he uh, he lives here in Waterford. Okay. Uh, he's got a house in Waterford, but um, he w- does a lot of work in California. Is what he does. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Very cool. And uh, what kind of stuff do you help him with on the in the weekends? Is it just technical, like, hey, this is how you're going through this corner. Maybe you could take it this way, or is it more kind of just like the things that he that he asks and needs, right? And it's for Joseph, it's more of a common face. Yeah, it's a familiar person in the mm-hmm. pits, talk yeah. to and just hang out with and kind of. Okay, very good. And yeah, I uh, mean, it might be a good candidate for you to do another interview with, maybe in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Do, I'd do love to have him on. He could give you a little more insight about what's going on in regards to that. Yeah. Okay. I saw he just had a uh, cool burnout in his backyard. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty neat. Yep. Yeah. He, he's. Uh, so wife is pregnant, girlfriend. Girlfriend, yeah. Girlfriend's pregnant. It's exciting. And uh, tell me about some of the mentor stuff you've done. I mean, it hasn't been so structured. I mean, you just uh, were at the track one day and I needed help, and you helped me out a ton. And then it turned into uh, a friendship, mm-hmm. and you definitely helped uh, helped me out a ton with with everything. And I can attribute a lot of this these trophies to 
stuff you've helped me with or in a pinch my transmission was was broken and you stepped up and helped me out yeah, the best yeah. I can anyway right I've been doing this a long time um, the sport of motorcycles and the track day community the family the racing aspect the family at the races you know that it's it's a really it's a tight-knit group and to see new people come in I like to spread I'm a very I was a very fortunate person when I worked in the industry to have the ability to be at the track as often as I was being able to make a living at it and enjoy it and love it and be working for a couple of great companies that allowed me to have the privilege to do that right so I wanted to give back to the people like yourself and other people uh, help them with their riding um, and help them grow in the sport and try to make responsible decisions right yeah. I mean I don't want to say that I rode a lot I did ride a lot but it wasn't it was like it was something that was satisfying another itch that I had right as, for, as far as helping people give I really back. like to see to give back and to see other people progress on, on help that I give right yeah and it's been tremendous and uh, other people have told me it's been very helpful all the information just the tire the tire, what's a good tire pressure, Dave, for this event, this day, this tire? Right. You just give a number right there. And um, it's it's so so valuable. And uh, anytime you're at the track, I'd always look for, for those kind of guys who, who would give that information, and you're always one of them. Right on. And uh, <clears throat> I just can't thank you enough, I guess. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. Um, and... Uh, and you've been a mechanic for a long time, and you learned that all seems like on your own. You've told me many times, yeah, just take your bike apart in your garage and figure out put, how to put it back together. Yeah, right. That's and, kind of a, kind of a hands-on kind of a guy, right? Yeah. And um, I'm not always, sure that I would call myself a me mechanic, but I'm a person that, that has been able to work on my own things and make sure that I can see that they're put back together properly and they're functional. And then if I'm ever in a pinch at the track or anybody else's that needs a hand, I'm able to help them. Yeah. And if you're not a mechanic, then I don't know any mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> because you helped me swap engines uh, in like an hour very quickly, just mm -hmm. just super quick. And uh, that stuff would take me a week and a half to be able to do. Um, looking at a yeah, so at one point in time, probably 100 engines <laughs> before that, it took me a week and a half to do it, right? Yeah. So, a lot of practice. You got to start somewhere. Yep, and just got to—it's all nuts and bolts in the end. It's nothing super scary. You just got to know what to take off at the right times, and uh, don't understand how to use a torque wrench. Yeah, don't overstrip <laughs> your bolts. <laughs> That's gonna be my next thing. Right. Uh, don't want to do that. Um, and you did some CVMA R6 racing in uh, the West Coast a little bit. Well, no, I well I did one. Um, I I rode a bit last over the off-season, actually not last year, but the off-season before when Joseph was getting ready to go and do the Moto America season, he wanted to go out and do some off-season training. And out, out in California, out in the middle of the desert, even in the middle of the winter, December, January out there, it's 65 degrees and oh, wow, beautiful, yeah. right? It's 50 degrees at nighttime kind of deal. It never gets super cold. And their tracks are super grippy out there, right? Well... The season, I bet you that off season in 2019, 18-19, leading into that, I probably rode more that off season than I had the two years prior to that. Quite honestly, because we just we rode a lot. We were out there every other weekend, kind of deal. And this last winter, 
We went out there pretty pretty much. Uh, we went stopped in Coda in November and then drove it out there for December and January and February and then COVID hit. Yeah. So at the end of February we didn't go out there anymore, and then April I went out there and was gonna you know work on bringing the truck and the trailer and the bikes and everything back and it uh, I had an opportunity to ride and race out there. Uh, got uh, some friends out there, one of the Michelin vendors that I used to do some business with, and you know, over the last two years of being out there, got a friendship with a bunch of people that were were out in California at the CVMA events, and uh, a couple of guys from Canada that we knew that NTN, my friend, knows that were from up the Quebec area. So I decided to stay out there for the week, and and I was got the opportunity to race one of the days, right? Which was which was a good time. It was fun. I mean, other than the fact that it was 106 degrees. <laughs> Yeah. But it's dry heat, right? I mean, if if, if you're in the shade or on your bike, it's fine. It's but not so you, bad. If you're standing on the asphalt in the sun, it can get hot, right? Probably 130 on the on the pavement. Right. So I mean, that's 143 degrees, I think, was what the track temperature was. Wow. You know, just trying to <laughs> dial the tires in or what have you. But, you know, the reality of that is is that the bikes didn't overheat because it was dry heat. Okay. So, I mean, as long as the bikes aren't getting hot, it's fine. You really? Can, you, yeah, the person can handle it, no problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll work through it. Man, I do this hot yoga now, and I think when I get back to, to racing the big bikes, it'll it'll really help me because it's, uh, I don't even know how hot, 100 and whatever degrees in, the, in that room for 60 to 90 minutes, and my heart rate, you just using my watches, it's maxed out, mm-hmm. just standing on a mat. So, um, I think it definitely helps me for the mountain biking because... I wear a full face, even for mountain biking, uh, for the races at, at mm-hmm. least, and nobody else does. And I'm not hot with it. It's just normal. It's just what you wear. You gotta wear it. So, but uh, what kind of stuff do you do for your for your cycling, for your training? Do you do a lot of uh, miles nowadays? Uh, well, I don't do the road bike miles like I used to. Um, if I travel, I'll take a road bike with me, and I've got a trainer, so I'll do a little bit of that. When we go to the hotels, it's funny. I was just in Alabama, and I was able to use the hotel gym in there. Okay. It's the first hotel gym I've been able to use in 2020, right? (laughs) Um, I mean, obviously, I was the only one that was using it because everywhere else on the planet, there's you can't use the gym, especially at a hotel. They're all shut down. Uh, But I've been doing um, a ton of mountain biking. Okay. I I say a ton, but it's probably let's say. 45 to 60 miles a week. It's pretty much. That's pretty you good. It's pretty good, yeah. So I've taken on this <laughs> this new love for do- riding in the dark. Okay. Do you use lights at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You have to. Right? Headlight. Because you're in the woods or whatever. But I've got a helmet light. And a bike light. And a, bu- and a, and a bar light. And they're capable of doing 1,400 lumens yeah. a piece. I knock them down to 800 because the battery lasts like twice as triple as long. Right. Um, but what it's done for me is because I might have bad perception, and I'm able my peripheral. Even though I have bad perception, my peripheral is pretty good, right? So I get distracted from things on the side. Well, my bike's handling skills are not haven't increased that much in the last couple of years of mountain biking. But in the dark, I've found that you're kind of in a tunnel in yeah. your vision you see what you see kind of deal and you see is like riding a, a street bike or a motorcycle on the track looking up and looking through the turn 
means a lot, right? So if you've got a light on your helmet, it, it, so it's, it's just helped me fundamentally learn how to ride a bike better. So I'm now faster in the dark than I am during the daylight. Well, you it's said before, that sounds. if I saw where I was going, I wouldn't go so fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when people ask me why why I don't wear my glasses when I ride. I was like, if I saw, yeah, it's like you said. Yeah. If I wear my glasses, I wouldn't be scared. <laughs> right, yeah. And so you have an uh, issue with your vision. I have an issue with my vision as well. Um, I have amblyopia. So I actually have a lazy eye in my left eye. Most yeah, people right. can't really tell, but it's uh, it was 20, 120 when I was younger. And we did uh, patching. So I had wore a patch in my good eye. I've done the, all of the, the same stuff. That's exactly what I have, right? I've done all the same thing my whole life. Yep. I've been wearing glasses. My glasses are actually prisms. Yeah, okay. Right, so when I was born, the pupils of my eyes were actually into the side. Okay. I couldn't really see them, right? So it, I was actually having surgeries when I was six, seven months old. To wearing glasses it. before I was... I had three surgeries on each eye before I was three. Okay. So the, the muscles, when they cut them, they sew them back together, tightened up, right? And it brings it in, and it's kind of like an alignment on your car, right? You tow it in and tow it out or what have you. <laughs> yeah. So they did had to do three of them, and then we were wearing the patches and whatnot. And I have, I'm, I'm a bit farsighted, and I've got the prisms in my glasses, which are my, why my prescription's so thick. Yeah. Right? It's, it's basically, they're prisms. It's not really correctional. I got gotcha. you. more prisms, so... I can see okay without glasses on. Yeah. Um, pretty good close up, not really good far away, but I can ride and do things without my glasses on. It's not a problem. But if I if I have my glasses off like the whole day or half a day, I get a lazy eye, starts wandering. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Um, it's uh, vision stinks because it's not something you could just like press a button and fix it. Maybe one day. It'll be that way, but... Uh, yeah, well, wait, wait till you turn 40, because at <laughs> the age of 40, it's it's like a light switch. Your vision gets so much worse. Yeah, I can't wait. It's, it's <laughs> insane. I just went to the the eye doctor and got a one, bump down one on my on my contact on my mm-hmm. left eye, so it's already starting. But um, you do it with what you can, but it doesn't seem like it gives you many problems with writing. You know, you don't need to read... To, to ride you just need to see objects and your yep. peripherals so um and most people don't realize when you're racing you don't actually look at the bike right in front of you you're not supposed to look at the bike in front of you you're supposed to look through all the way through the corner so you're using your peripheries a lot just to see where you are yeah well you, you at an average of 60 to 80 miles an hour you can't make a reaction and make a change to a bike something that's two foot in front of you. It's like driving down the highway, trying to count the slashes in the line, the division lines in the road. You can't look at them at the bumper, but if you look out a quarter mile, you can count them. Yeah, at further distance. And you also need to see if there's an incident or something you need to avoid, yellow flag maybe. I have a question for you that just came to mind. So what do you... I've seen a couple really bad drafting crashes. There's one that was... uh, there was a Moto2 at Austria. There was one, he came out of a draft, and there was a bike in the middle of, a, of the track, and he hit the bike and, you know, exploded into parts. There was one... The Moto2 one? Moto2 in Austria. There was one, uh, Billy Munger, a couple years ago in, like, a Formula 3 class at Donington. Same thing, there was a car stalled on the track. Two cars got out of the way, Billy Munger hits it, and he loses his legs. 
you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's an issue with drafting, or do you think that's just how the sport is, and there's no way to avoid those things? Because I feel like there's there's always a better way, and I don't know what the answer is. Well, you're never going to get away from drafting, especially in like MotoGP and Moto3 and Moto2. I mean, they're the small displacement bikes. People are able to ride them at and above and over the limit of, of the chassis, the motor, the tires, all of it, right? So now you're fighting for every inch of every particular second you're on the track for every lap, right? Like for, you know, I think you're talking about the one that Siren ended up getting hurt pretty bad at, Hefty yeah. Siren. You know, for for that, that even the commentators made a made a comment. You know, he was that corner is blind with a crest that you can't really see it. However, there are flags waving in the corner that you can clearly see on on the camera. And from the advantage point of coming right around the corner, even if it's a crest, you should be able to make an assumption or see fact that there's something going on that's 50 yards past the corner right he was racing for a position he maybe wasn't fully aware of the circumstances in the situation because he wasn't in you know making assumptions here right of course sure. but, you know but it's possible that he was just so focused on his racing in his position that he didn't see all the other warning signs right which means he's riding at a hundred percent yeah I mean, he's not seeing the people swerving around. Riding at 100% on the, you know, on the track or, you know, even a track day. You know, you don't leave yourself any room for error or any other decisions. Right. So that's on the individual rider, unfortunately, I, I believe, right? That's, again, that's just my assumption and my my opinion. Right. And even, I, I was maybe thinking some sort of uh, heads-up display in your helmet for a flag system. If that would maybe be like sometimes they have lights, you know, not on the they tracks. All, all those tracks have lights now. They have lights and they do flags. Yeah. Uh, what you know, if you and put they, on your and dash, they have eight corner workers, right? Yeah. It's not like there's somebody attending to something and nobody is taking care of flags and stuff, right? And right. if they aren't, there's still lights. Right. And if it's a, but if there's an issue on your dash, you might see that on a straightaway, but you're probably not going to see that any other time. So that wouldn't even help if it's on your dash. So well, yeah, you're not going to see it on your dash, and you may not see it in your helmet. If you see it in your helmet, it might take away from your peripherals. Yeah, sure. So there's a lot of issues there, but it's not perfect, but it's it's pretty good. Right, but I mean, if you if you consider the amount of races that we watch on television, whether it be Moto America or Moto GP or World Superbike. And you go, you take that over a 20-year span. I mean, the, you know, there's less than a handful of fatalities and less than a handful of crashes that are pretty severe, like that one that happened. You know, there were two of them that happened that particular weekend yeah. in Austria. So yeah. there's a handful of times, or not even a handful of times, where there's those kind of severe accidents happen at the top level. Right. It's it's extremely rare, but it does happen, and you you can never get rid of everything. You can try to. Definitely try to. Right. But, I mean, I think at that point, you just that's regulations of the motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah. And they also, they say there's also a, a brake on it. If you're getting too close, you can use a brake, too, you know, or get out of the draft. So, um, But uh, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. How about uh, some after, um, after track day or after racing shenanigans? What, is there anything you like to do? Uh, just relax, um, eat a good hot, hot dog or hamburger, get some, get some good food, 
Maybe play some uh, games or anything? Well, I don't know. I guess it depends on the group of people you're with, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's al- it's always fun to relax and be around the, the track family. And I was, like I said, I was fortunate enough to be at the track a lot, right? So I had lots of groups of family, whether it was from down south and out west in California and in uh, Nevada and that area, or if it, if it was in Canada and Quebec with all those, my group of friends that are up there or out east. Virginia in that area, Minnesota, you know, so it just really depends on the group of people that you're with, right? Like I said, I was very fortunate to be around a lot of people. Um, and I'm assuming you're speaking of, like, the uh, the track day that you would know kind of thing with the sport bike track time. There'd be a group of guys that would do, uh, like, playing cornhole or bags, we call it here. You know, that's, you know, as funny as that sounds, that's to, to that's not a... United States wide game. It's a Midwest thing. It's kind of a Midwest thing, and it's really big in like Illinois, right? They actually have all that stuff in bars, tournaments, right? Tournaments and whatnot. Well, I think it's on ESPN now, but Grand Rapids has a lot of the bags, yeah, stuff in their bars, or did before COVID anyway. But and then uh, I don't know what it was for a little while. We got in, which you were coming around the track. We were getting into uh, Connect Four, which, oh, was, yeah. which was a good time. <laughs> yeah, it turns into a drinking game too sometimes. Pretty yeah, always actually. <laughs> it never got brought out if you weren't drinking. Yeah, having a good time. It's, it's a blast in the motorhomes and the RVs, just hanging out with your buddies all after a good good time of track riding and racing. Yeah, right. No, you know, I mean, and for like. Up here in the Midwest, the sport bike track time would always do an amazing event that was at uh, Gingerman called Track Fest. And yeah. I remember a time where another kid that I worked with for a little while, Gabe Miller, oh, yeah. he and I did some sumo wrestling and some sumo <laughs> suits, right? And they, they, you know, they, that event's just always fun. There's tournaments for cornhole, and they had pit bike racing, and you name it, they had it going on. Movies and fireworks. Tons of food. Just tons of food, barbecues, you know, Nick Emilio from... Uh, Chicago, he would run that event and yeah. put on potlucks and, and then the huge catered events and, and it was just, it's an amazing event. It's a good time. They put a great show on up there. And uh, Gun Show Nick, I just heard he retired. Is yeah, 20 yeah, years? I guess so. He did retire. Yeah, that's what years. I heard. It's going to be different without him at the track. He's always always there every single time I've been in the Southern Yeah, event. well, Owen has been kind of, he's a he's a really awesome guy from, yeah. from Illinois too. I don't know if you ever yeah, know who I've he known is. Him very well. But he's been kind of being groomed for it, seems like, for the last year or so, and he's really learned and took a, took on a good role and is doing a good job, at least the events that I had been at for the last couple of years. You know, I haven't been around to the track day stuff too much in the last year, just busy with work and, and um, racing. and or, or I was racing with Zachary when he was riding, which is my girlfriend's son. Okay, yeah. And which is really the only reason the last couple of years I've been riding. Does it help him out a little bit? Oh, just to do it with him, right? Yeah. It's just cool. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, how old is he now? He's eight. Just turned eighteen. Eighteen. And what kind of bike is he riding? Well, he had an R three. Uh, he rode that for a little while, fixed it up, and I ended up selling it. And then uh, we're looking for an SV six fifty for him because he rode uh, Tony Bagmas down in Florida last year in the off season. At uh, we go down there once a year for New Year's Eve. Group, big group of us guys. Yeah. He had the opportunity to ride one of those, and he really liked it. So kind of, you know, with COVID and his new job, he hasn't had a lot of time to ride. He came out on Tuesday and rode at the the day of Groton last week. But other than that, he hasn't ridden much, and we haven't really found a bike. And anything that's out there is 
price price pretty good right now. So we're just kind of being patient. Okay. Maybe, maybe next year for them to ride. Yeah. And you you kind of came out of retirement pretty quickly. You were, you retired from racing, then you raced again. Well, I took a few, I've not ra- raced or AKA retired a couple of times, right? I I haven't really raced. Like for a championship, at least? Yeah, for a while, right? I think, and I don't remember what year or whatever it was. It was a year that I decided that I was going to get, focus more of my attention on the tire company, right? Because to, to try to race and do the tire stuff was great because it's great advertising. Yeah. It's good exposure. Um, we never lacked in service because of it, but it was a lot, and I wanted to dedicate more time to the growth. Um, so at a certain point in time, I think I actually made sort of like a announcement that I was retiring or whatever, and I've raced, I don't know, a few times since then, right? But I've not come out of, like, say, retirement from racing yeah. per se, right? I raced twice last year, I think. I raced once this off season. I did a endurance race this year at Pittsburgh with an old good friend, Jeff Warble. Okay, yeah. Um, his his wife was there, Amanda. No, knew, have known her for 2006, five or whatever. He used to race against her brother and whatnot. Yeah. Rick Land and a guy from Pennsylvania, Tim Wilson. Big group of us all got together and we rode Rick Lynn's bike and had a good, great time. It was just an absolute blast. He's was, got an R6 too. He's got a 2016 R6, I think, is what it is. Okay. Currently. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a really that was a really good time. It was very interesting to be able to go to the track. And Rick's a lot like me. Um, struggle with delegation. Who's gonna do what? Who's gonna do what? I struggle with allowing people to work on things. You know, that's just a trait of mine that I, I I say struggle, but that's, you know, who I am, I suppose. And Rick's a lot of the same way. And I, 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 I really respected it and I, I appreciated it. And the opportunity to ride somebody else's motorcycle that I knew that was going to be a hundred percent taken care of with no problems or no issues was really nice. I got to go there and enjoy being around the people and the other racing community and got to see Evelyn and Sean, which was great, um, from Weira, the owners of Weira. It was really good just because I hadn't seen them yet this year. Um, and uh, Lisa, my girlfriend, was there with me, and we just had a really good time. Yeah, I mean, it's not too far enjoy. not too far of a drive either. No, it wasn't too bad. You know, um, a friend of mine, Harry, he drove out there with us, and he did the endurance race with some other people, and we just had a great time, yeah. And uh, how'd you finish in the endurance race in your class? We got third. Pretty good. You got a podium. Got some hardware. Yeah, we got some podium. <laughs> got hardware. Awesome. And I, I heard you say a long time ago, you don't even have room for all these plaques anymore. You just keep the little, the metal piece. Yeah, there's a yeah. When I was racing a lot, I would keep they they, I don't know somewhere along the lines they stopped giving tro- large trophies out and started giving out wooden plaques with little. The, the nameplate on it, right? And it would, it would be like a stick-on thing. And I think for a while they would stick them on for you. And after a while, I don't know if people, other people were doing what I was saying, but what I would do is I would just take the placard, or the, the emblem, right? I'd leave the wood so they could use it again for another time. And I would just take the placard, and at the end of the season I would put together a poster-type deal okay, yeah. of all of those from each individual season, 13, 14, whatever the year was. Yeah. It's a cool memento, you know. It's it's 
for me, it's such an accomplishment. And just to put them up in the attic, they were up in the attic for years. I'm like, i got to put them out somewhere. Do something yeah, they're cool, them. man. It shows who you are and what you've accomplished. And Yeah, it's. Um, I don't have a college degree, but this, these are my credentials, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> right on. I don't know if I get a job with this, but uh, maybe the job I'm looking for. You might be able to. That'd be cool. Um, so, yeah, we're just shooting the shit here. Is there anything you want to talk about, you want to bring up, or... Anything on your mind? No, not really per se, I don't think. And what's going on in your, in your life that's new recently? Anything in particular? Um, you know, just like everybody else, just motoring through the COVID and the, you know, being kind of shut down or locked up or however you want to call it, you know. I mean, everybody's got their own political opinion and view of it, right? So you kind of got to respect other people's respect. Uh, opinion and their views on it and hopefully if yours is different from them they do the same right doesn't always seem to work out that way but that's what you hope right um i've got in last year i guess i've got into uh some jet skiing oh yeah which is kind of fun um uh, learning ups. Well, I used to do a lot of that when I was younger, but now I'm getting like some older sea do kind of sit down, sure. two person, one person, like run about uh, racing jet ski type deals, right? I'm not really doing any racing or anything like that, but yeah. they're just kind of fun to tinker with and and learn. Yeah. And so uh, what rivers or bodies of water or lakes are you going on with those? Yeah, well, I've gone down to Metro Beach a couple of times and gone on to Lake St. Clair and Lake Michigan and some inland lakes. Just kind of beat bopping around Oakland County kind of deal. It's fun though. It's um, probably not super expensive once you got the machine. Hopefully, there's not too many repairs. Yeah, right. Parts and you probably figure it out yourself mm-hmm. at this point. Yep. Um, very cool. I just been. I've learned uh, just enough to keep me and get me in trouble, right? <laughs> as soon as you get into the jet ski business, you get in the jet ski repair business, right? right I guess. <laughs> I hear that's definitely true with the RVs and campers. Um, but you had a pretty pretty cool camper. You you are or not a camper, but uh. A trailer that you would just sleep in. You just uh, bring down the side of that bed and yeah, put we had on some, stilts. some bunks that were they were pretty much down all the time, or at least one of them was the one I slept in. It was just a bunk that folded down from the wall, and you know it, it is a uh, car hauling trailer, pretty large one, twenty eight footer, twenty eight by eight, I think it is, or eight and a half, or something like that, and it's. Now that I'm not doing the tire service out of it, it's it's pretty large and in charge, right? <laughs> There's a lot of room in there, so you can put a few bikes in there and have stuff everywhere, and there's, oh, yeah. it's pretty roomy. Absolutely. You can live in that thing pretty much. I don't know about <laughs> that. There's not really a bathroom or whatever, but there's a refrigerator and power and AC if you ever needed it. Yep. I see you're working on your laptop. Maybe there's internet in there, or you could uh, yeah, satellite cars. Well, out of your phone, right? You just, oh, yeah. It's hot spot, I think they call that. Yeah. Tether, tether, that's what it is, tether. Yeah, well, they use hotspot too, I think, but, um, my dad is, uh, nearing 500 days in a row of exercising every day. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, he's 63, he's, uh, he was not an athlete before, he, I mean, he was a soccer coach for a little while, he would walk a mile or two every day, but he, uh, just took it upon himself, he sees my brother doing, he's, my brother's a four-time triathlete now. Um, and he's going to do two Ironmans next year instead of just one. And he sees me doing all these miles, and now my dad has more miles this year than I do. Mm-hmm. He's like 1,900 miles cycling and running this year. It's phenomenal. It's like, that's more than me. Right. Um, 
So it's great to see. He might not be going, you know, uh, on Sunday I did a 50-miler. I did I went to Stoney with Jeff, Jeff O'Berry, and mm-hmm. we did a whole bunch of la- uh, laps around the lake. He might not do a 50-miler, mm-hmm. but he's out there and he's doing it, and it's great to see. Um, but it, he's actually starting to get a little bit injured now because he's going so Just much. sore. Sore, and he's like... And he's recover, right? Yeah, you do need days off. It's important to have those days off. And in your day off, you don't always have to do nothing. You could go for a mile walk or something. You don't have mm-hmm. to do something super vigorous. Right now. So. Cool. Congratulations to him. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's good to see, and it's motivating for me because like now I have to kind of compete with him. And even though I'm I'm doing my own thing, uh, I want to do more because he's ahead, right? So it's that competition aspect of it. Um, would you ever consider doing some mountain bike racing? Because I'm doing the. The championship I've, I've been doing for the last couple of years, I think that's foot racing. That's the mountain bike racing over there, those those little number plates. Most yeah, of them. I, don't, I don't know that I'm fast enough, skilled enough. I'm not fast. If I've got the right bike for it, all that stuff. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I might try it just for the heck of trying it. But I also, one of the things I like about riding early in the morning, and even, even when it wasn't dark at 6 o'clock in the morning, I was still riding at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning yeah. right before it was dark like it is now right i'll i'll literally get up and i'll be at the mountain bike trail by five thirty, done by seven o'clock kind of deal right seven fifteen, something like that you yeah. know get put 16 17 miles in go do two or three laps around mayberry okay yeah. and or pontiac lake a couple laps or whatever and you don't there's nobody out there right right <laughs> it's when just you when you're racing there's a million people yeah Right, I've I've got a good friend of mine, John Wheatley, that's been doing a, a ton of mountain biking. He's a, he's an absolute savage. Is he? I haven't seen him in bike. a couple of years. I got to connect with him again. Oh, he is an absolute savage, right? I mean, he's went and did something in the Upper Peninsula that was 24 hours long. He did 242 <laughs> miles with a group of guys, wow. and it apparently it's this ultimate craziness that happens for the entire month of September, and you there's this. There, you know, you just check in, check in on a Strava or whatever as a group, and then you, you know, you do it. And you only have 36 hours to complete it. Oh wow! And it goes from September to September, and there, you know, here we are at the end of September. His team is still tenth out of hundreds of teams, right? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Awesome. So he's doing the race and stuff, and he tells me about being out there with thousands of people out riding right and having to go through you know he because you know he just started doing this pretty competitively so he's starting closer and closer to the front groups every time he rides but sometimes he's starting with 1200 people in front of him (laughs) right so he spends the first three hours going through 700 of them (laughs) right it's a pain yeah you know plowing through trees and out and you're you know you're not on the path obviously right because <laughs> right. you're going around a million people that are all bottlenecked and in a traffic jam because they're not experienced obviously yeah or they'd be doing the same thing right yeah so it's uh it's hectic the races that I do there's not twelve there might be twelve hundred people at the entire event but they're not all racing um, it's usually class based so it's all age group and there's four classes in the one that I do there's beginner sport expert elite. And I, st- I started in beginner, even though I have my pro light race license, although it's expired. Uh, I, I've never raced a mountain bike before, so I won the mountain bike championship on a 19-year-old trek. I did not have the right mountain bike. It was super slow and heavy, but uh, it worked. We got it done. 
Uh, I eventually upgraded my mountain bike. I got a 2019 track, uh, Top Fuel 8. So it's a full suspension, 100 millimeters of travel. It's not a ton, but um, might be 120. I don't know. But either way, do you really need a full suspension bike in Michigan? I don't think you do. <laughs> but maybe, maybe like for the ones more. that John does, you do. Yeah. But I think you lose, you, could, you lose power having it, right? I think you could get through it with a hardtail just fine. But I like having a hardtail. I like having a full suspension because it's just nicer. I'm like, if we have the technology, why not use it? You think it's slower though in some things? Right. You're talking to the wrong guy. What I can tell you is it's meant for downhill jumping and doing rock falls and things like that, right? It's not yeah. meant for going to Mayberry or Pontiac Lake and doing those trails, right? Because when you're when your suspension's moving, you're bouncing and you're losing your power from your legs, yeah. right? Go when up you're, and down when more. you're climbing. Now I do have a lockout suspension on my twist grip, so I can twist it. And if I'm on, but it doesn't lock it all the way out, right? No, it's like 95. percent mm-hmm. So if you're on pavement, I always you know twist the grip. But if I'm on the trail, it's always um, full suspension. Right. Well, again, uneducated opinion that <laughs> yeah. I have. Right. I I don't know. I'm in the market right now to get another bike, and I'm I was at uh, the Mar- Moto America round at Barber, and uh, one of the D- Dunlop guys, one of the the technicians there, Tom. Yeah. He had a uh, Super Cal nine point eight, which yeah. is one of the bikes I'm looking at. It's a cross country bike. And Taylor Knapp was there, and he had a Fuel EX there, yeah. which is another bike that that's the fuel full suspension bike that I'm looking at. I right? looked so, at those. So I was able to actually ride both of them while we were there, which was kind of neat. Tom's been riding mountain bikes forever. T- Taylor's good at mountain biking, right? I mean, yeah. he's super fast and aggressive or whatever. I, th- I think he's not as serious about it as Tom is, you know, competitively and whatnot, but right. he's he enjoys it, kind of like what I do, right? And I'm, I don't know that I want to get into something that's... I, I don't have a con- con- competitive need right now. Yeah. I'm just doing it because I enjoy doing it. Right. It's fun to do. Yeah. It's good exercise. It's just... You know, it's it's in it's like when I used to road r- ride the road bikes, right? It's a, it's to do a proper outdoor road cycle. You know, it's fifty to eighty to a hundred mile ride, bike ride, right? Where yeah. a mountain bike, you can go out and do twenty miles or sixteen miles, and it's all interval, hardcore pushing. Really, it's like going out and running for a half hour kind of deal, right? Yeah. So whole it body. doesn't take up your whole day. It's a good yeah. time. I enjoy it. Yeah. That kind of deal, right? So yeah. we'll, we'll see when I have to get back in the gym and, and see how it goes over the wintertime as it's getting colder here in Michigan. So. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, if you got a snow bike or a fat tire bike, you can ride in the snow. No, my, my, my bike is a um, it's a 29-plus tire bike, so it's it's a 3-inch tire, right, okay. rather than a 4.5. I got you. And I've not done it that in the snow, and I don't know how much I would enjoy I don't like the cold anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't like being cold. I shouldn't say I don't like the cold. I don't like being cold. And my understanding of riding in the snow is, in the cold, is understanding the proper clothing to wear when you go. It's important. I uh, I have a sheet that I've made myself that's just, if it's this temperature, wear this. If it's this temperature, wear this. Yeah, right on. Um, and it's, it's not perfect, but it helps a lot. It, if it's, uh, it's just a wind chill. You can't have anything exposed, for sure, and you got a layer, and you... When I leave, I leave when I'm cold. I leave because you're going to warm up in 10 minutes. You're going to be warm. Mm-hmm. So if you leave when you're already warm, you're going to have to take something off. And that's fine, too, if that's what you want to do. But everybody's different. Yep. 
So yeah, I, I've been uh, I've been trying to do the longer rides lately. I've been trying to do more road cycling the last few weeks. I've been trying to get them get just a higher number of miles. And to to do that, I either have to ride my mountain bike for triple the time or ride the road bike for less time. So um, I've been doing 40s and 40s and 50s. So uh, I've been trying to increase my Eddington number, which is a number of how many times you've done that many of that many rides, mm-hmm. that many miles. So right now I'm at I think 37. I'm trying to get to 38. So every time I try to get at least yeah, that but that number. that number is about your your consistency of in the duration of how amount of time you do it in, right? It's not. I think it's just a, a lifetime year. number. Like you can do it by just year or or. Yeah, but I meant for it to be beneficial to you and your fitness. Yeah, I mean you should. I mean, keep just doing if your goal is just to cruise up your odometer that's cool i guess yeah. but right i mean you're doing the cycling for a fitness reason and you should right. have an actual goal right to be able to do that work with less heart rate to do it easier mm-hmm. less less work so that's kind of the goal my, my brother does a lot of uh, heart rate based training so he'll go out for a run and only up go up to 150 or whatever the number is and if he's over that number you gotta slow down so i think it works for him but I've never tried it that way. So everybody's different. I think it depends on what you're training for. Yeah, he's doing super long endurance stuff. I'm I'm not yet. Right. Although it'd be it'd be interesting to, to do one, to do an Ironman. I think it'd be kind of cool. Um, I haven't done a, a marathon yet. So I got to do at least one of those disciplines, I think, full the full amount. And then do all, all three at once. It seems like kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it's like 140 miles. Long way, but you've done a bunch of endurance races now. You, I remember you did the one um, in, in Road Atlanta when I was there. I was doing the pit board mm-hmm. with Derek. Yep. And somebody else, uh, I forget his name, but uh, and you did the one in Pittsburgh. So you've done how many endurance races? Can you even count them all? No, it's been a bunch. It's been and, a bunch. Uh, mostly four hours, six hours. Yeah, we like so. The early days of me racing, which was like 2006, 7, 8, 9, somewhere in there, they would do, we had a national endurance series that would travel around the country. Um, That, unfortunately, because of attendance and participation, which is the same thing, obviously, but just the way the economy was in 2008, that kind of dwindled off for where to be able to it didn't make sense for them to waste the track time doing it. I see you say waste. It was still great. It was a good time. There just wasn't enough participants to make it worth the while to do it, right? Yeah. So, but back then we would do we would do teams of five or six people, and we'd do eight hours at Grattan. Okay. Right. I mean, eight hours at Grattan. That's a lot of time. That, you know what I mean? That's a that's a thing. That was that happened. It's a lot of laps. It is. A couple hundred laps. Yep. Rode in the dark at Nelson Ledges. One year? Yeah, they used to do uh, 24 hours of Nelsons. I guess they did way back when. Yeah, with um, the original Team Hammer, a couple guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Ulrich was doing that. John Ulrich. John Ulrich. Um, and you have lights on your bike at that point? If you're doing it at yeah, they would they would they would bolt Pia lights on the bikes. And, you know, I mean, if I remember correctly, when... Mark Young and his guys there from Vezra Suzuki would show up. I think Trey Beatty was like within a second of his daylight times there because it was just like when we mount, riding a mountain bike, right? It became yeah. a tunnel of focus right. and function. Cause, but they had real good lights on it, and 
back then that track was heavily tree you know there's tree cover over the around the whole thing right so it literally was like being in a tunnel <laughs> yeah and uh um yeah that's a that's a fast track that's one of the fastest average speeds of any track that i've gone to it's i think it's one of the it might be or is one of the top average speed tracks in the country yeah it's like 110 miles an hour i want to say yeah, it was something like that now yep yeah and it's even faster now i saw john hawkins did uh like a 106 or something? He did a 58, I oh, think, on a 600, <laughs> which is, man, when we would race there, it would be like, uh, that was always a really good race track for Eddie Kraft. Yep. Um, Sam Gage was a was really good at Nelson Ledges. I'd have a weekend here and there that I was pretty good at, right? And I remember doing sevens there. Oh, man. And that was when the track was not in great shape, but the faster you went there, the easier it was to ride fast right and uh, i remember thinking or being at there at an event where i've seen some people really 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 get hurt either in the kink yeah or in the sh in the carousel yeah and last year 2019 i went there with zachary and we raced but i remember going out on the track i remember coming out of turn four and because it's like glass right yeah. They did an enormous amount of work clearing it out, making it safer, creating more runoff. I mean, they they're really doing an amazing job at that track. They're doing it as quickly as they can with, you know, with the budget I I would assume that they have, right? They're putting buildings up and bathrooms and scoring towers and garages. I mean, they they're increasing the paddock and like it's really getting nice, right? Yeah. But I remember coming out of turn 4 Shifting into fourth gear, accelerating, shifting into fifth gear, entering the carousel, thinking to myself, oh my God, I know what happens on the other side of that carousel. And there's some creek over, a, a, a creek over there okay. that can't be moved because it's, so, yeah, it's a river state, whatever, right? Yeah. yeah, creek, river, whatever, you can't move it kind of thing, right? So there's only so much, like there, there was, there's been nothing out there done. Yeah. And... I mean, I went through there when I, and I think it was 2007 or 8 or something, and I, I literally, Reuben Frankenfurth in front of me crashed, and he went in there legs first and broke both of his legs, his hip, and all kinds oh. of craziness, right? I think he still messed up from it. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people leaving helicopters out of there, and I'm just, I'm not, my, my risk first reward anymore, it isn't about being number one or winning the first place right I, yeah. I don't get me wrong it's not like i wasn't out there trying when i was racing but i also know what the the, the, the consequences are yeah they're very severe for a slight mistake and uh i don't know well the solution is easy move the walls right or don't build a track that you're going to hit the wall no the track's also 40 years old and it yeah. is what it is right i sure. mean you can't I, I, I don't think i don't think it's unsafe to ride by any means right when it was coming apart and the asphalt was coming yeah. off of tires going through radiators and hitting people in the helmet that was an unsafe circumstance right the track is so much safer right now than it I, that i've ever even ridden it yeah i'm just not for me my risk risk reward like i said is just it's not i'm not going to gain enough out of it to go any faster than i did i mean right. i've got back into the seven since i've been back there i mean it's not as fast as you can obviously go. Johnson the fives, which is unbelievable that's, to me. That's nuts. He's going to do his first pro race coming up. 
In Indy next weekend, yeah, that's what, what I hear or see Excited. anyway. Oh, he told me that actually at uh, Pittsburgh because he was crew for us. Oh and, yeah, yeah, he and Chad and uh, Chadlack, yeah, Chadlack, yeah, those guys were rock solid helping us out. They did an amazing job on the pits and helping out with the pit board, all of it. They Changing did. tires, you got quick change and all that stuff. Yeah, well, bike. Rick has the bike dialed in, right? I mean, and those guys. They it's obvious that they own our sixes as well because yeah. they just slammed them in and out when the gas couldn't fill up as fast <laughs> as they could do the tire kind of thing, right? Yeah. Nobody was waiting on them. They never made a mistake. They were flawless. It's great. It's great to see. And, and they were good. To, they were really good to hang out with too. It was really nice to be in a different environment for myself rather than working or whatnot and be able to hang out with them and yeah, you know, get to know Chad's wife a little bit better and and. Um, and uh, Chris Lee was there. It was cool, kind of yeah. hanging out with her. They got some. I, I don't know if it's a new dog or if it's a dog new to them or what. But the dog was pretty cool. You know, it was fun. <laughs> young dog, puppy. I don't. I don't know anything about dogs. No, I don't. Know. It was. It was. It was a small dog, and it was pretty in, entertaining. Let's just say that. Right. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, it's it good. good dog. Absolutely. Um, so this is about fifty-five minutes so far. Let's try to wrap it up at about an hour. Um, is there anywhere else that people can find you online? Where are you online? Where can they go to find out more about David Gray? Well, it's a lot right there. I, well, I don't know. No, it's not <laughs> anything really. I mean, you can Google me if you want to. It's going to be five or ten year old stuff. I mean, I I don't really have any online presence. If you go to my Facebook page, it's pretty not me updating it ever kind of thing, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. I'm not really very active on that. I have an Instagram thing um i don't do anything with that either i'm just not active on that stuff okay you know nothing against it whatever it's to each their own kind of thing right it's just yeah i i'm distracted too easily and when i you know how that is right it's oh, like yeah. you see a, you're i'm a squirrel when i start <laughs> playing with that stuff and yeah. try to do my best to stay away from it i suppose that's good too you know everybody's different everybody you know uh, different things work for different people. So yeah, well, that's the that's just kind of the way it's always been for me with the social media stuff. I mean, I don't want to say that I've I've definitely not rejected it, but it's just not. It, it's very distracting to me. Yeah. And I, I've one of my I don't you know one of the things that I've learned is to learn how to try to build on your strengths and try to stay away from your weaknesses, kind of thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Don't don't need to bang your head against the wall if you know that's not working for you. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So. uh yeah, let's let's wrap it up. I got actually another two podcasts to edit before I post this one, so I got some work to do. Right on. Yeah, so, cool. Uh, no problem. I really appreciate you coming on here, and uh, thank you so much. And thanks for talking yeah. to me. Thanks for having me, Eric. I was uh, it was it was cool to be on here. It was ho- good to be able to help you know continue to help you. Yeah. With your riding and now into your personal and uh, professional success, hopefully. Yeah. So I appreciate it a lot, and uh, see you tomorrow, everybody. Have a good one. Right on. All right. That's it. Cool, man. What do you think? Right on. Awesome. Nothing scary. It's just the cameras. Yeah, I don't care <laughs> about any of that. Yeah, I got a. I did. I interviewed a guy who owns a place called the Float Institute, and he has the sensory deprivation chambers. It's like it's hard to describe, but that's why I wanted to interview him because it's such a uh, unique thing. You go in this bathtub-like environment with a, a thousand pounds of Epsom salt. So you float in the water. The water is skin temperature. The air is the same. Uh, so you don't feel the water or the air, and you lose track of where the air and the water are. There's no light. There's no sound. There's no senses. And you and you just float there. And you, it's like meditation on steroids. And you just 
it's just nothing. It's just nothingness. And your brain kind of recovers itself in a, in a way. And it's just, it's very unique. And I've done it a couple of times, and there's nothing else like it. It's like um, you just detach from all the stimulation. So like the social media stuff is like, too much for some people, and I totally get that. Um, the very, as I exited that place, I went to get dinner. And I just happened to walk next door to the Mug Pub. It's just a bar. And they had like 57 TVs. And you just don't realize how much stimulation is always mm-hmm. like coming at you. So it was, it was really nice to, to do that and try it out. Right I'd actually recommend it. It was only like $30 to try it out for an hour or so. And I don't know if it there's measurable benefits, but it was interesting at the least to try it. So. Right on. So. All right, I see a third place Mayberry. 28, yeah, 2018 up there. Yeah, they raced at Mayberry. What was your What was your time? I don't know. I'm not. I I could show you on Strava. But let Let's see how slow you think you are. On Mayberry. I don't know. I got ton, tons of activities. Well, how fast you can be Pontiacan? Uh, I think my fastest is. Uh, 45 minutes or something, but it's not normal for me. I'm usually slower than that. So maybe we are about the same speed. Um, so I can do I can do Pontiac in 44 to 47 minutes with three inch wide tires. I um, I think this year I did Pontiac Lake in just under an hour. It wasn't that fast. Well, it's how long's it been since you've been there? Uh, a couple months. It's like a fuck. It's like it's got asphalted. It's, oh yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what happened. Well, I went there with my cousin, but but, but um, um, John told me that a guy he knows, one of the studs mm-hmm. that he rides with, yeah, did it in thirty four minutes. I believe it. Those guys that when and I, I was go- like, I was like, dude, <laughs> I was like the new stuff, the longs, the everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, because they added eight tenths of a mile to it last summer. Okay. Yeah. They, over by the airport and moved it around a little bit, and then doing the hards. Right. I mean, I'm like my average is about forty-seven minutes ish. Yeah. I, I can't even comprehend going. What is that? Thirteen minutes faster than that. When I like go I can races. I can pick up on five six minutes. Yeah. But dude, I've gone out there and I've hooked it. <laughs> like, he he told me that, and I was like, I went out there like a couple days later just to see if it's possible. <laughs> well, just to see like if I actually really gave it to it, yeah, and didn't like slow climb some of the hills, and I actually attacked them, right, and didn't go slow through some of the sand stuff, and I was you know going back, like, and it was. 46 minutes or something, right? It wasn't even that much faster than my normal just going out and then riding. Right, yeah. Those elites are just on another another level. They do it like four or 500 miles a week, or it seems like. I mean, I don't know how they can have that much power. Yeah, well, they've been, they've been also... Do, like I was trying to tell John, right? Because he's super strong for how long he's been riding. They've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. They didn't just start riding two years ago like he did. Yeah, they were, and started getting serious a year ago like he did. They were elites. Where he's almost there. Yeah, right. They've been <laughs> they they have the twitch muscles, and they found their niche, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm embarrassed sometimes when I go to those events 
There'd be old guys passing me, young guys passing me. I'm like, what the fuck, man? I'm, I, I'm no slouch, I think. And then they got all these people passing me. It's just, you got to race your, to your own level. Because I was going to be somebody faster. And uh, I have not yet raced with, with clips in. What? With How clips. is that possible? <laughs> Do you know how much faster you'd be if you had clips in? I have clips now. I did the first season as a beginner with no clips. I did the second season with a new bike with no clips. And then my plan was to do the racing this year in the same class with clips and see how much better, how much faster I'd be. It's, it's, it, it, it's not even going to be... It's night and day. It's insane. It's not even... And it's so, not even... It's crazy. I just... Uh, I was really nervous for a while to getting clips on the mountain bike because I was just, I didn't want to crash, and I used my feet a lot, and all that stuff. It's not so bad now. Let's get used to it. So, you want to get some food? No, I gotta go home. Alright, I'm gonna get some food. I got steak and potatoes. Right on, that's cool. Alright, got some drop ship, ship ship today, ship some physical orders, got a podcast done, works a normal job. Damn. Going. Yeah. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah. It'll probably be posted in like three weeks. Yeah, whatever. But nothing was uh, date related that we talked about, really, oh. except for the motor America thing. But.